Yeah, he's the guy who killed the joke about a hot dog, whether a hot dog's a sandwich or not. Yeah, he just buried it. I mean, two years straight, everything. He hates boomers, so he is a nice... Oh, wait a minute. Hey, Alan, what's going on, man? Uh, I want to congratulate you on 100 episodes. Uh, that's an amazing feat. I remember when I got there, I'm at, what, 384 now? So you got some time to catch up. But, um, yeah, you haven't had me on in a while, so I'll be expecting that call. Congratulations on 100, man. Hey, Alan, Jim Bovard, congratulations on 100 episodes, and good luck with your new format. Congratulations, Alan, on 100 episodes. Here's wishing you success on 100 more. So I want to say thank you so much for Alan Mosley, for what you've done for Liberty, what you've done for this country, more or less. And thank you for spreading the message of Liberty in its purest form. Um, Alan, you're a smart guy. I always known you've had talent and you've had talent above reproach and thank you so much for being part of my team in the past and being part of the future for tomorrow and my heart goes out to you thank you so much greetings Alan I'm here for my suite in Las Vegas and I just wanted to wish you congratulations on your 100th episode I've been a privileged guest on your show, and we've discussed very unrelated matters such as the resupply of Fort Sumter, the Incorporation Doctrine, and even Game of Thrones. But uh, in reality, I've been pleased to become your friend over the last year. Um, always very impressed with your show, um, your ability to interview guests, and really your wherewithal to find the best guests that you could possibly find. And I just wish you many more years to come and many more great shows. So keep it up, man. Take it easy. Hey, Scott Horton here. I just wanted to say congratulations to Alan Mosley for his 100th episode. Very proud of you for all the great work that you're doing for peace and freedom out there. And I love the new name of your show, too. It is way, way, way too late. Hi, Alan. Hey. Dave and Mary here from Liberty Late Night. Congratulations on 100 episodes. Let's cheers to that, cheers right? To that, yeah, and here's to 100 more. It's an honor for me to congratulate Alan Mosley on his 100th episode. I was fortunate to have him as my uh, interviewer, and he did a magnificent job. We interviewed on market failure, and I've had many, many interviews with many, many people, and Alan is one of the best interviewers I've ever had. So uh, here's uh, hoping or here's expecting another hundred uh, um, episodes. And when you get to 200, call on me again and I'll give him another congratulations. Hey, this is Mike of Mike and Friends. Alan, congratulations on episode 100. Maybe by episode 200, you'll have more viewers than even me. <laughs> it's, uh, that, that's not at all likely. But hypothetically speaking, it's not impossible. So good luck with that, buddy. Alan, happy 100th episode. You know, this past few years, being your friend and your partner in crime, you know, it's just been really, um, it's been really, you know what, bless your heart. Happy 100th episode, and here's to 100 more. All right, Alan Mosley, so this is the 100th episode of the, whatever the hell this show is called now, um, and I really don't know what to say. I mean, I've been ciphering on it. I guess congratulations is in order. That would be a nice thing to say. But, you know, in a way, I'm kind of thinking, you know, on a 100? I mean, that's not that many. Look how many episodes Tom Woods has done. 
So I don't know. I think you got a lot of work to do, buddy. But in all seriousness, I'm excited for you and uh, really excited about the new show. Uh, you are doing some production stuff that's just like way over the top. Like I'm watching this thinking I'm watching Letterman or something, only without Letterman. But, you know, that's okay because Mosley's a, a decent substitute for Letterman. Um, but I think it's going to be a great show. I'm excited to see how, uh, how it takes off. And uh, just remember me when you're big and famous. And uh, just remember that I was the guest on the 100th episode. Feel free to clap when you're supposed to clap. Oh, yeah. Look at that. Look at them. Our people. You know, you know how you know that this is almost a real show? How's that? Like, the audience didn't do anything like what they were supposed to, but at least they could be coached to. Yeah. Live in real time <laughs> during the recording. All good, man. What did you think about that video, Blake? Oh, it was great. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's quite a few people that really care about us. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> well, <You> I know. <laughs> mean, define quite a few. <laughs> I don't know, eight or ten. I mean, there was eight or ten videos, and roughly the first half were like, hey, we're going to do the The second half, uh, I don't know oh, about no. a few of those people yeah. at the end. A little dodgy there, aren't Yeah, they? a little dodgy yeah, there. a little dodgy. Did you notice that the... Okay, this what? is probably a normal thing. So okay. the people who don't know me as well personally yeah. were very complimentary, okay. and the people that know me better... Yeah. We're just talking a bunch of crap. Sure. Yeah, right? Yeah, well, I okay. mean, that's, that's, that's typically how it goes, right? I okay. Mean, hey, it's like your mom, you know. Whenever you're talking, just get smacked, you know. <laughs> Are you trying to do a mom thing I'm in the monologue? I'm doing a mom thing, yeah. I can't even. Just <laughs> cut your mic already. Just stop. You know, I actually prepared notes for this episode. You did. That's how serious this is. Wow. Good. <sighs> this is episode homework. 100. Yeah, 100. Now, I know that there's going to be some people out there in the audience that are thinking, like, I saw a The Gold Standard episode 94, and mm -hmm. then I saw an It's Too Late episode 95. Hmm. Shut up. <laughs> We're not going to start the number. We're not going back to one. This is it. No, no. When, when this fails, we're out of here. We're done. I'm just, actually, somebody had suggested over the weekend, well, now that Mayor Pete's out, you should just get Pete Buttigieg on the show because no. you're all mainstream now and all that stuff. Actually, that's yeah, probably not a bad idea. <laughs> Isn't I, he around not... here somewhere? I thought he was Okay, to... so real talk for a yes, second before we do our little real script. Talk. Blake can back me up on this. So we've okay, got a little can. rental facility here. Yeah, we do. And uh, Columbia is not a huge place. No. I, mean, I mean, you can tell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we actually got, this is, not, this is a true story. We okay. actually got an email from a campaign person. From we did. Tennessee for Buttigieg, <laughs> who was looking for meeting space. <laughs> Can you guys imagine? <laughs> they were think they were looking for meeting space, and they were contact. 
I never emailed him back. You should have. That was such an opportunity, man. I know I should have. I just want their money. I mean, what's he doing with it now? I don't know. I could have had it. (laughs) Anyway, you know, the thing is, is that the gold standard started as a radio show. Yeah. And, you know, it was was a fair show. Mm But it actually wasn't even the gold standard. It was called Get in the Game because it was on a sports network. So it was like the, the serious show. Yeah. So it was Get in the Game. Yeah. And when we changed from Get in the Game to the gold standard, we saw like an uptick in traffic. Okay. So I think what we'll do is just about once every year or so, we'll totally destroy this. We'll change the branding <laughs> of the show and see no, if we no. don't multiply like every couple of years or so. No, don't scare me like that, man. <laughs> You'll be all right. You're fine. <sighs> So, do you guys want to hear like a typical canned late night monologue? Nah. <laughs> wow! <Man. laughs> wow! Good news, everyone. <laughs> so, anyway, Casey Anthony's back in the news. Oh, Casey Anthony's estranged mom and dad, George and Cindy Anthony, went on Doctor Oz okay. to talk about how their daughter wanted to have another baby. Or her biological clock ran out. That's a great idea. Do you hear that, guys? <laughs> there are hot singles in your area looking to hook up. Wow. <laughs> Casey Anthony is like the O.J. Simpson of MILFs. Oh, man. Well, if, if the kid's gone, is it former MILF or are you still a MILF? I'm... I'm not. I'm just asking. I don't know. Dude, okay, man, dude. We should we should do a we should do a few more of those before the entire audience leaves. Okay. Laura Bush is the O.J. Simpson of first ladies. Because she you know she killed a guy with a car. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can see Laura that. Laura Bush see that. killed a guy. There's a lot of politicians who've killed people. This we're not doing that tonight. Okay. Like this is we're not. But Blake. Like, this is this is our this is our wide net mainstream episode, so oh, we should probably yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay, we won't do O.J. Simpson jokes. We'll okay. do um, Michelle Obama. Uh oh, is the Bruce Jenner of first ladies? Ooh, <laughs> I'm hearing some. Oh, you hear? Ooh, Alan. Ooh, I wanted to set the tone of this show right off the bat. Yeah. There it is. You're locked in here now, folks. We're doing the whole show, and it's going to be more of that. There we go. Um, so I'm actually really like grateful for the people that came tonight because you know there's this thing in the news about this whole coronavirus, COVID nineteen, all that stuff. And I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like with the cancellation of the sports seasons and all that stuff. I mean, it, it looks it looks kind of serious. It really does. Um, but Two quick notes. First of all, we are 83% coronavirus 3 in, in the studio tonight, so that's really good. And that is thanks to the decontamination efforts of our producer, Blake Osborne. Blake, what do you think? <laughs> it, if you were any kind of sidekick, you would have done like the Bane voice. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you know, like from Batman? The Bane. I don't know how to do that. You've never seen a movie in your life, have you? I can't. You've killed the show. Coronavirus! You've killed... Corona! Luckily for all of us, Blake's actually only going to be with us for like one more segment and then we're done with Blake. But he's going to take the mask off. Guys, we have such an awesome show planned for you. Guest, musical guest. It's going to be the best production we've ever had. We will be right back after this break. <laughs>
I'm so glad that our band, who is here every week, is still here to do the show. I mean, they're here all the time. You didn't know that, did you? They're they're right there. Yeah, they're right there. Nothing has changed. This is exactly the way the show is every week. You know something I forgot to do in the monologue segment? What's that? I forgot to auction off the toilet paper. Oh, this is the only fundraiser some? we have for Dude, the show. We're gonna, yeah, we were gonna. That's auction epic, this. man. Do, is anybody here like an auctioneer? Like, and they can do the whole. We got five dollars. I don't no, know why no. I was looking at the no. boomer first, but I just assumed. <laughs> wow. I, wow. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> Blake, what time is it? It's time for. Meme of the week. You have died. <laughs> Of coronavirus. <laughs> oh God! I mean, you know, oh. at this point, we might as well just get it over with, yeah, right? Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. Everybody here is infected. It's like The Walking Dead, where you find out everyone's infected. Did oh, you? Well. Did you ever play Oregon Trail back in the day? Me? Yeah. Did yeah. you ever play Oregon Trail? No, I mean, I, I haven't really done it very much. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, I mm -hmm. heard about it. It was like one of those first crappy games on like IBM. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, it sucked. We actually had Yukon Trail because Oregon Trail was too high concept <laughs> oh, for us. Oh, yeah, oh, that no. was like we, we we didn't have the 56k necessary to to run Oregon. Oh, I'm, I'm actually not joking. Go Google right now Yukon Trail. <laughs> was that like it, a you know what other thing is too trail. is that it was basically you couldn't lose. It yeah. was if you just bought no food and went west, <laughs> you found gold, and it's like, well, good job, there you, go. you there did go. it. You're a prospector. <laughs> no. Think, think we should do the viewer mail? Sure. I don't know because like it's a it's a live show. It's a big performance. Like we really need, needed to be very picky about what questions we picked. Okay. A lot of them are about food and goats. We actually have a special guest. To participate with us for this week's viewer mail for episode 100. Ladies and gentlemen, helping us with viewer mail, Sherry Voluntary. <laughs> so, apologies in advance for these questions. However, Zach from Knoxville, Tennessee writes Dear Alan and Blake and Sherry, how many waffles is too many? Okay, you first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't think I'm the right person to answer a question about food and limits. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. I think, okay, so I think the whole point of how many waffles is determined by how much syrup you have, right? Yeah. So totally. you have to have the other part of the equation to answer that, in my I, opinion. I, I think so. I think, uh, you know, for me, uh, I don't know, like 14. Good God. I love waffles. Well, you look good. Waffles? You're doing all right. Yeah. Diabetes looks good on him. <laughs> I don't have diabetes. Yeah, that's why you don't see Blake from the waist down. He's lost both of his feet to diabetes. Okay, Celeste from Niagara Falls, New York writes, Dear Alan and Blake and Sherry, does Blake have a favorite goat? I go first. I well, how would you know that? <laughs> Well, I mean, if you're the kind of guy, I think you are. Okay. Yeah, yeah I have a favorite goat. <laughs> Greatest of all time. Wait, sure. hold on. You do have okay. a favorite? Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah. who is it? I think I like Aurora the best. It's one of our little ones. She's uh, very mm -hmm. friendly. She was a bottle-fed mm -hmm. goat, and uh, she, you know, follows you around everywhere you go, kind of like Mary had a little Blake, goat. Stop, Blake, stop, man. Little goat. He's stop. bothering goats. It's all right. I mean, we're from the <laughs> South, but Jesus, man. Uh, Jonathan. Stop. 
Jonathan from Colville, Washington writes, Dear Alan and Blake, why do you hate pickles and popcorn? Okay, so what this is, is a few weeks ago, uh, Jonathan, who's actually somebody who helps us out with social media, he uh, he's originally from Texas. And apparently in Texas, you can go to the movie theater and get pickles and popcorn. I didn't realize that was a thing. Hmm. That's reprehensible. <laughs> By reprehensible, I mean delicious. But I, I, I have never been to a movie theater in my life where they even served pickles and popcorn. So, of course, Jonathan being a lefty that he is, he's like, why do you hate pickles and popcorn? I don't hate pickles and popcorn. You Texans are just ridiculous. That's what it really is. And, but I've already rubbed it in his face that, hey, without the Tennessee Volunteers, there would be no Texas. Am I right? <laughs> anyway. Dave from Nashville, Tennessee. God, I hope he's not here. <laughs> Dear Alan and Blake and Sherry, who do you think was the better jazz saxophonist, Dizzy Gillespie or Charlie Parker? Sherry, what do you think? I'm going to go with Dizzy because I like you. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah, I okay. have to agree, Dizzy. You know, I mean, Satchmo had a good thing going, too. So. So, but he's not on the list, is he? But here's the thing yeah. is I was under the impression that Charlie Parker was actually exclusively the saxophonist and Dizzy was more the trumpeter. Yeah, he those was trumpeter. are actually different instruments, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, well, you know, my musical knowledge only goes back to about 78. So, Like, you should proofread these things before you put them up there. Some <laughs> idiot sends anything. a trumpet. Who, who's better saxophone player, a saxophone player or a trumpeter? <laughs> Dave's going to eat me alive after the show's <laughs> over. That's all right. Lyle from, he's from Louisiana. So around here, it would be Lafayette. But I think from Louisiana, it's Lafayette. Is that, Lafayette. that's right, yes. right? Okay. Lafayette, Louisiana writes, Dear Alan and Blake and Sherry, what does Blake do with his goats? I feel like this is really similar to the last question. I think we already answered this one. So, okay, so Blake. Yeah, Sherry, what do I do with my goats? No, 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 no. We're going to give Blake an opportunity oh, to make okay. up for that last answer. Okay. Blake, Blake, what do you do at your goat farm? I'm a professional goat breeder. We raise. <laughs> question twice <laughs> we have male goats we have female uh -huh. goats we put them together and you know uh -huh. god nature and up comes little goats that sell for a, a good amount of money they're purebred so uh we have a lot of buyers from all over the country who buy our goats when we well when they mm -hmm. produce i like how just in that moment blake realized i gotta fix this uh, yeah <laughs> i like that <laughs> i didn't like where that was going <laughs> all right eric from gainesville florida writes Go Gators, right? Ugh, Dear Alan and Blake and Sherry. Uh, Sherry, Chick-fil-A or Popeyes? Uh, Bojangles on what? Sunday. Chick-fil-A every other day of the week. So you're trying to be closer to the Lord is what you're saying. You know me. Okay. I got the big hair to be close to the Lord. And so Bojangles wasn't actually one of the options, but okay, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I really don't love any of those places, but there's someone here in attendance that if I said I don't like Chick-fil-A, they would... <gasps> no longer be with me so i'm gonna so i'm gonna say chick-fil-a that's my favorite hey chick-fil-a sponsor it's too late with yeah Alan please <laughs> yeah. don't bet. hey look Jeez. i've never i've never had the popeye sandwich yet you never had popeyes it. i haven't had it i've well, had just the regular like chicken strips and the regular food but i've never okay. had the sandwich so th all right here's what you do okay so you go down to popeyes okay you drop some racial epithets at the no, counter no no you're attacked in the parking lot <laughs> yeah we well, close that's the location <laughs> for a few weeks and then you get a chicken sandwich yeah yeah okay 
Sounds good. I, I like how there's nervous tension in the room, but that's actually a real story from here. And it happened in the it's news. Don't so Google it. What are you going to do? Jeez. I love that Chick-fil-A would sponsor yeah. I think Chick-fil-A should sponsor yeah. I don't. I, I'm not laughing. What's, what's funny about that? And finally, Mike from Jacksonville, Florida writes, Dear Alan and Blake and Sherry, is it weird for a woman to give a man flowers? Sherry, is it weird for a woman to give a man flowers? Blake? <laughs> I don't think so. I like me some carnations and roses and other various flowers. <laughs> I'm so happy that you're out of the show after this segment. That makes, oh, it's so great. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to say that, are you assuming their gender? Oh. Guys, we will be right back after this break. Don't go away. Your ad could be playing right now, reaching thousands of potential customers. Sadly, it's not, but it could be. Find out how to be an advertised sponsor for It's Too Late with Alan Mosley. Email us at alan at funnybroke.com. Man, we're trying to get done as fast as we can so we can just do that for the rest of the night. Great. Guys, our guest tonight, which you will recognize him if you ever watch the old show, he's the National Communications Director of the Tenth Amendment Center, as well as Managing Editor, go ahead, Mike, Jesus, as well as Managing Editor of Shift Gold, he hosts multiple programs, including Thoughts from a Hairy Head, Godarchy, and Sportsball. He's also written multiple books, including his most recent title, Constitution Owner's Manual, The Real Constitution the Politicians Don't Want You to Know About. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Meharry. What are we going to do for sports ball now with all this? I have no idea. <laughs> we talked about before the show. You could come on, come on, come on. There he is. We talked about before the show that like, so we're going to get one sports ball episode out about, hey, they canceled all the sports <laughs> and then we're done. I don't like, what are we going to do for sports ball the next week? I heard UCF is going to keep going, uh, and as you would expect them to. Hang of the banner next. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, so we'll figure out something. It'll be like this. It'll, it'll be like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Constitution Owner's Manual. Yeah. What number of book is this for you? This would be number two, big book. Uh huh. Um, and then I've written a couple of little smaller books, and then one with some dude named Michael Bolden. Which yeah. Didn't really have you? Yeah, sure. Yeah. What do you think about these losers who constantly publish free ebooks like that's real? <laughs> I've got a free ebook. Oh, my bad. MichaelMeharry.com. I kind of feel bad for the audience because this is the only like semi serious portion of the show. So you ready to do this? 
You didn't tell me this was supposed to be serious. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about your book, Constitution Owner's Manual, and I'm going to be fact-checking you the whole way. We're fact-checking the whole way, ladies and gentlemen. I've got news for you. If the Supreme Court doesn't have to get it right, I don't either. Fair enough. Question number one. What is a living document versus a dead one, and how does this apply to the U.S. Constitution? No, that sounds very scholarly. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Well, you know, in contract law, there's no Mm -hmm. such thing as a living document. And basically, the whole living document, the living, breathing constitution, is a bunch of BS that I don't know who came up with. Because you can't have a living, breathing uh, contract. Mm -hmm. I mean, imagine having a living, breathing uh, mortgage. Would you do that? Where the bank could just kind of change the terms as it goes? Um, my last one got foreclosed, so I mean... <laughs> right. So you would have liked to have had a living, breathing yeah. mortgage. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, that's basically the way the United States Constitution is being used today. They make it up as they go along. So. Yeah. But that's not the way it was intended to be, in all seriousness. The, it, it was meant to be a contract, and a contract has to have a set meeting mm-hmm. for it to have any usefulness at all. And that's the way the Constitution should actually be understood. But instead, we've gone to this judicial interpretation crap. Really on, early on in your book, because I've actually, I've actually read his book. He has. Most of the people that come on this show are like, whatever, loser, it's fine. I've actually read this book, and, and a word that you use often and early is sovereign. Mm-hmm. What, what does the word sovereign mean? It means I can do what I damn well please. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you mean like in a political sense? Go ahead and try so that the, one. So the real, the, the real issue when you talk about government is who, where's the power come from? So okay. in the... In the British system, the sovereignty, the power came from Parliament. Mm-hmm. Parliament had all the rules, and, and whatever they said went. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the United States system, the people are considered to be sovereign, and the idea is that the power it remains with the people. The people can establish the government. They can change the government, and they can even abolish mm-hmm. the government. The government cannot change itself. So the sovereignty is essentially where the power lies. So I think most people who their knowledge of civics or history or anything pretty much ended in like the fourth grade. Right. And you've got your little diagram in the book mm-hmm. and it's got federal, state, local. Right. So, I mean, they're on the top of the pyramid. So that means they're supreme, right? Well, absolutely. Donald Trump is your king and you'll like it. Fair. <laughs> go, go on. I feel like you're, I feel like you're going to hit me with a, but on the other hand. But on the other hand. Okay. Uh, if you've just fought a war to get rid of a system where Donald Trump is king, mm-hmm. uh, it seems to me that the logical thing to do would be to make it so that the, uh, the king is not the king. Yeah. And that, in fact, is what the Constitution was intended to do. Most of the power actually was meant to be in, in Congress in terms of the federal government, but ultimately mm-hmm. the power is in the states. That's the, the states established the Constitution. Uh, the people of the states is actually a better, better term for that. But the sovereignty actually lies in the people of the states. And in reality, that little diagram that we mm-hmm. learned in fourth grade, yeah. uh, they should have taught us in fifth grade that it's the other way around. The states should be on top uh, and the federal government should be on the very bottom. Very few powers were delegated to the federal government. But you can look around the room tonight, and there's a lot of weird people from places other than the South. And Frank, I don't even know what happened they're saying. No. There's a lot of different people out there, a lot of different points of view. So if we disagree on what's what, then who decides? Me. (laughs) But but on the other hand? (laughs) Oh, you're talking about in a political kind. Yeah. You know, if you had prepared me for a serious segment, this would have gone a lot better. Um, So I sent this 
the questions. <laughs> He has the questions ahead of time. Don't let was him that steal what was the that show. Was that email was? Because I didn't look at that. <laughs> um, what was the question? Oh, we were talking about who decides. I'm not going to invite anyone over the age of 50 on my show ever again. <laughs> so well, if we disagree, then who decides? Well, ultimately, mm-hmm. do you want the real, the reality answer first, or do you want the theoretical answer first? Surprise me. Okay, we'll start with the Give theor- the two answers, and we'll let the audience okay. figure out which is All which. All right, answer okay. number one is whoever okay. has the guns. Okay, so answer number one, guns. Okay, two. answer number two is the people that establish the government should determine in the last resort what the powers of that government are. So in this case, in the American system, it would be the people of the states would decide... In the last uh, last round, mm-hmm. what the powers of the federal government are. So ultimately, it should be the people of the states. Okay, Blake, help us out here. All right, audience, show of hands. Uh, raise your hand if you believe the correct answer was who has the guns. Yikes. Mm-hmm. All right, now raise your hand if you think the answer is whatever BS he said <laughs> after that. <laughs> of course. This is what happens when you invite these kinds of people here. <laughs> what? Whoa! What does that mean, these kinds of people? Ooh, I don't know. This show just went down the tubes. Your ratings just went way up, though, for a minute until you're canceled. That is true. Yes. Okay. So we're, we're going to get back to some popular phrases. Okay. Everyone has heard the phrase general welfare. Right. Everyone has heard the phrase necessary and proper. Mm-hmm. Okay. So does that mean, then, that what the government does is for the general welfare, and it's necessary and proper. Has the government ever done anything that's been for your general welfare? What about the roads? (laughs) (laughs) Got him! (laughs) Boom! Yes! Interestingly, constitutionally, the federal government should not be making roads. Hmm. Mm -hmm. James Madison actually vetoed a roads bill based on its constitutionality. It's in the book. And now he's dead. <laughs> because he couldn't get anywhere because there were no yeah. tax should invite me. I will crush these fools. It's so easy. So okay. So what you're telling me is is that general welfare and necessary and proper may have been stretched a little bit. Maybe just a tad. Okay. Yes. And and if you read the ratifying conventions and what <laughs> nobody, happened, no, nobody does that. If you read my okay. book, oh, okay. Yes. Which is available mm-hmm. at uh, ConstitutionOwnersManual.com. Yeah. If you read my book, you will find out that these, all of these clauses had specific legal meanings and were rather limited in scope, despite what Alexander Hamilton later told us. But he, but he told us later, but he said something different before. Absolutely. The Alexander Hamilton, during the ratification debate, said that all of these phrases and clauses had very limited meanings. Just in that moment, I looked around the room, and everybody except for one guy with a cap said, what the hell are they talking about? (laughs) And and who cares, furthermore? And and where's the pot? All those people are dead. It doesn't matter. Okay. So everyone here remembers the Bill of Rights. Like, that's one of those few things you get through your government education is we have a Bill of Rights. They give me my rights. Oh, God. Okay. Stay with me. Okay. Okay. So the Bill of Rights is arguably the cornerstone of the country, right? Like, it's one of the few things that people remember from school. Right. How could you be taking any exception with that? Well, the problem that we've created in this system with Mm -hmm. this 14th Amendment and this thing called the Incorporation Doctrine is now everybody assumes that five federal judges get to define what those rights actually are. 
That hasn't worked out well for us. Do you think we can say what your name for those judges is on this program? Can we can we say that, Blake? Judicial Temple know. Monkeys? Oh. Well, you said it, so now it's on tape. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, but is that not how it was intended? They're, uh, I mean, they're one of the checks and balances, right? No, uh, the, well, it was, so here's pe- what, pe- I think the Bill of Rights should have actually been called the Bill of Restrictions, because it really doesn't give you any rights, as we alluded to. We have mm-hmm. those rights, and, and that was something that was made clear in the Declaration of Independence, that we are endowed with certain inalienable or unalienable rights, if you want to argue about words, um, and, and the, that we have those by virtue of our, our humanness. And the Bill of Rights was actually intended to be a restriction on federal power, to not be able to uh, infringe upon those rights, to do things that violate those rights. That's all that was. And it was meant to apply to, it's in the federal constitution, it was meant to apply to the federal government. State constitutions have their own Bills of Rights, Mm -hmm. and uh, so we should look to those when it comes to the states violating our rights. But now we want the five judicial temple monkeys to essentially define our rights and enforce them on all 320 million people in all 50 states. I, like I think you, that's a bad system. I like how you drop that again to make it harder for us to edit that out. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Everybody right. in the audience is now asleep. They're like, oh. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're going to do a quick little run through through a few of the amendments. So I'm going to I'm going to listen an amendment and you tell me how it's gone astray or maybe or maybe everything's great and you don't have any problems with it. First Amendment. How has the First Amendment gone astray in 2020? Well, I think the, word, the biggest problem with the First Amendment is the way it's been applied to the states to essentially be a prohibition for anybody to have any religious expression anywhere. I mean, the Satanists, they can't set up their little thing in the park anymore, nor can the Christians. But hmm. the federal government doesn't have any business telling the city of Columbia what they can have in their park. Hmm. So the federal enforcement of the First Amendment has really gone amok. I feel like I should wheel further away from you so I'm not, like, associated with a racist. Like, <laughs> yeah. There we go. We'll do that. Okay, Second Amendment. What's wrong with the Second Amendment? Like, yeah, we love our guns, right? Second Amendment, yeah! <laughs> What's wrong with that? Well, again, the federalization of the Second... You know, it's, it's funny to listen to the gun people. Okay. The gun people get really you mad. You guys are in trouble now. They get really mad about the, fe- about the possibility of federal gun control, right? You know, mm-hmm. We're not going to let... Oh, Barack Obama had federal gun control. We've got all kinds of federal gun controls already on the books that nobody seems to care about. You know, all of that violates the Second Amendment, too. I care, Mike. I know you do. Okay. Yes. All right. We'll, we'll do a, a one a little bit off the beaten path. Fourth Amendment. Fourth Amendment. I feel like this is one that's very much in your wheelhouse. Fourth Amendment. <laughs> Can you say, I, I, I'll give you three letters that define the problem with the Fourth Amendment. Okay. N-S-A. Yeah. 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 They're basically spying on all of us without warrants. And, uh, you know, if you believe the Fourth Amendment was Mm -hmm. to restrict the government from searching things unless they have a warrant, probable cause and actually specifics. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they're doing that. That's really doesn't seem to be what the NSA is doing. I could be wrong, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I am. But you could be. But I could be. Okay. But I'm not. Well, I, I want to say, I, I want to pat you on the back here, because I, I have read this book. I mean, not We don't want to touch because of the social yeah. distancing thing. Yeah. I've read your book. You have. It's, you lay out a pretty compelling case for the interpretation of the Constitution, the originalism right. that you lay out. And it's, there's no small amount of evidence that you cite. 
There's significant amounts of evidence, lots of quotes, lots of documents, lots of ratifying convention, lots of notes mm -hmm. to suggest that, look, this isn't, this isn't Mike Meharry's interpretation. Right. This is the interpretation. Mm -hmm. I don't really have a problem with it. Obviously, I'm a bit of a homer, but still, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it, there's quite a bit of evidence. So then I think the question for a lot of just your average Joe on the street, who maybe this is the first episode they ever hear, they hear what you just said. They're like, oh, apparently there's a lot going wrong. Okay, well, then how did we get here? You've, got, you've laid out the case. It's all in ink, right? So how did we get here? We got here because people let us get here. You know, people have this whole idea that I, there's a Spooner quote, Lysander Spooner. He was a famous mm -hmm. dude, and uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, people like to cite him as mm -hmm. the why the Constitution goes wrong. You know, it was either designed to have this system or it failed to enforce it, so either way it's a fail failure. This assumes that somehow this piece of paper is going to enforce itself. Pieces of paper don't enforce themselves. You have, to have, you have to have people to enforce a contract. The fact of the matter, the people of the states have not enforced the contract. They've not done what they needed to do. When the federal government overreached, they've either ignored it or cheered. I'm doing my best to enforce the segment's notes. Okay. <laughs> I'm oh, okay, thank you. All right. Well, in that case, okay. So it was, it was a lapse in judgment, understanding maybe uh, over, and it's not like it happened overnight, no. over generations. Sure. Okay, better yet, how do we go back? Nullification. Go on. States have significant power in this system. They can block virtually anything that the federal government does. The federal government depends on state and local resources and personnel to do basically everything. If the states simply say, we're not doing this, it ain't going to get done. And James Madison actually said this in Federalist 46 before the Constitution was even ratified. He said that if the federal government does an unwarrantable act, basically unconstitutional, mm -hmm. or even a warrantable act that happens to be unpopular. He said that the means of opposition are powerful and at hand. One of the things that he said that could be done is simply to refuse to cooperate with officers of the union. That's all nullification is. It's basically states refusing to cooperate with the officers of the union. Legalize marijuana in your state, federal marijuana prohibition falls apart because the federal government doesn't have the personnel. There's not enough DEA agents to enforce it once a state says, screw you, federal government. So we want more screw you, federal government, and less judicial temple monkeys. Mike Meharry, author of Constitutional, uh, Constitution Owner's Manual. Where can people find the book? Go to constitutionownersmanual.com. You'll find a, a Kindle version. You'll find mm -hmm. a paperback version. You'll find an opportunity for me to send you a signed version, and pretty soon, an audiobook read mm -hmm. by your host. I, now, I'm glad that you said that because now everyone's like, that's why he cares. He's going to make a buck off the audiobook. I said I read it. I was being very literal. That's right. You did. Now, you know, we can't, we have to get you out on one more. Yeah. Now, as everyone here knows, a hot dog is a sandwich. Yes. Cereal is soup. Yes. A Pop-Tart is ravioli. Absolutely. If you put two lasagnas on top of each other, it becomes one, one, one lasagna. lasagna. Ketchup is a, a smoothie. It's a smoothie. It's a smoothie. Right. Is a grilled cheese sandwich a melt? I think the answer to that is pretty obvious. It is obvious. Go on. You've got some bread. Mm -hmm. You've got some cheese. What do you do with the cheese? You melt it. Therefore... It is a melt. 
we didn't prepare the eh sound, I just realized. <laughs> so, unfortunately, Mike, I actually feel bad for you because this is actually one I looked up on Google. It turns out that a grilled oh, cheese... Oh, you believe what's on Google? I do believe what's on Google. Yeah, Ladies you're going to die of coronavirus. <laughs> a grilled cheese is literally the bread, cheese, and some sort of spread, usually butter, and it is grilled or melted. A melt is those things plus other interior ingredients. Unfortunately, folks, this is Meharry's last show for us because he failed the food quiz. I know. Uh, shut up. Jeez. I'm just kidding. He's the only guy who will come on. He'll be back. Thanks, buddy. That was fun. Really? Yeah. Just, just for old times' sake, before we kick it off to the break, can you give us a sports ball game? What's a sports ball game? <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. We'll be right back with JD and the Blues Machine. <laughs> If you're enjoying tonight's show, consider supporting the program by becoming a member of our Patreon. That's over at patreon.com slash Mosley. tell you it's nice to have my desk back <laughs> you know Ugh. this is the point of the show that everyone's been waiting for ladies and gentlemen our musical guest tonight is a band of like-minded individuals who all share one love and commonality that is keeping the great american blues alive ladies and gentlemen all the way from lexington kentucky jd and the blues machine all right Woo! yeah
leave this town I got my things packed They've thrown them in the car I'm leaving this house and you baby And I hope I get real far I'm leaving Saxon on the upright bass. Yeah. Jake Davis, Windows Machine. Thank you very much, sir. Guys, we will be right back after this break. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Blake Osborne, owner of Osborne Studio and Sound in Columbia, Tennessee. I've been a DJ for over 20 years, and I'm proud to have been a part of over 1,000 weddings and events all across the Mid-State. My clients can expect an exciting experience both for you and your guests. I come equipped with state-of-the-art sound and lighting technology to perform in any environment for any audience. MC, DJ, or videographer, or all of the above. Clients of Osborne Studio and Sound enjoy all these services rolled into one affordable package. When choosing entertainment for your special day, call Blake Osborne of Osborne Studio and Sound at 931-381-1000 or join us on the web at facebook.com slash Osborne Studio and Sound Pro Services. Guys, like our Facebook page. That is facebook.com slash funnybroke. You can follow me on Twitter. That's Twitter at Alan M. Mosley. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. That is YouTube.com slash FunnyBook. If you've made it this far, thank you. I'm also sorry, but also good job. There's so many people to thank. We're going to do that here live in front of everybody. You guys aren't going to get all the boring thank yous, but really, really quick shout outs to JD and the Blues Machine. There is my partner in crime on postcards, Sherry Voluntary. There is sports ball and everything else, Mike Meharry, right there. And our team, of course, is Sorcerer Rob, the webmaster. The best producer in podcasting, Blake Osborne. I'm Alan Mosley. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week. Woo!